Good morning. We are going to dive into a story today on a battle that happens in the book of Judges. And so we're going to get ready for the battle with some battle cries. So I need some volunteers to help me. And I just want to preface this with, that doesn't mean you raise your hand. I might just call on you anyway. Uh, but if you want to raise your hand, uh, I prefer that way, if, you, if you'd like to willingly volunteer. So if you would like to come up, I need three people that want to help me with some battle cries. Oh, we don't have any take. I just... We have one taker, all right. Oh, oh. Oh, we've got one over there. I, do you want to come and help? All right, we got our battle criers. And I just want to say that first service, we had some real amazing battle cries. So they didn't record it though, so you guys could be better than them. Nobody will ever know. Um, so we are going to play a game called Battle Cry, and we need to hear your battle cries. And what we're going to do in the game is so you can say their battle cries the longest. But we want to hear your individual battle cries first. So what you're going to do is each of you are going to get a sword. And these are amazing swords. Um, I made them. I had my kids draw on a piece of wood about a year ago, whatever sword they wanted. And so these are the results of that. Here, I'll give you this one. My wife was real happy when I let them just make wooden swords and hit each other with them. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I get the you get that one. That one's dangerous. Uh, so what you're going to do when I say go is that you're going to raise your sword and you're going to yell your loudest battle cry like, ah! <laughs> so, but we want to hear them individually before we do it as a group. So let's start. Let's hear your battle cry. Let's see what you got. <laughs> How do we feel about that, guys? All right. All right. All right. Are you ready to do your battle cry? That's a pretty cute battle cry. Like you're gonna, like you're gonna go to battle against. Oh yeah, there we go. All right, and let's. All right, good, good, good. Now, the point of this, you, you have to keep it yet. Yeah. Okay, the point of this game is to see who can do the battle cry the longest. So you're gonna hold up your sword and yell as loud as you can your battle cry for as long as you can, and when you're out of breath, drop your sword. And whoever is last, or whoever has their sword up and is yelling the last is the winner. You guys ready? I'll, I'll do one, two, three, and then go, ready? One, two, three. I feel like that was a tie. Let's try it again. <laughs> deep breath, guys. Deep breath. Here we go. One, two, three, go. I think we have a winner over here. Give him a round of <laughs> Thank you guys for helping. I appreciate you helping us with our getting ready for a battle today. Um... She's too cute. Nobody would ever fight her. <laughs> uh, well, we are actually looking at a real battle story today, and uh, it's from the book of Judges, and we're going to learn how, um, from, the book, from Deborah, who was a judge, 
in the book of Judges. And, but before we get there, I want to take a moment and, and preface and give some history and context to how we get to the book of Judges. So last week, if you were here, uh, Pastor Aaron preached from the book of Numbers, and he was showing us how the Israelites were uh, about to enter. They had wandered for 40 years. They were about to enter the promised land. They sent spies in to go see what it was like, and they were scared, right? And, the, and Joshua and Caleb were trying to calm the fears of the people by saying, just focus on God and have faith. And so they were about to enter the promised land. And then later, we see in the book of Joshua, where the Israelites now have entered the promised land, and we see the unfolding of the story, how God gives uh, the, the, them victory over those who inhabited the promised land. And it, just as he promised, he gave over the promised land to the Israelites. And at the end of the book of Joshua, the nation of Israel stands up and they take a stand for God. And uh, they say, we are ready for all the blessings and the promises of the land of milk and honey. And so they, here we are at the end of Joshua, they are praising God, and they are living for him and taking a stand for him. And then we come to Judges. And the book of Judges comes right after that, and their stand for God didn't last very long. Because in Judges, we see the Israelites wavering in their faith. We see that they, um, they, they're not obeying God, and they began worshiping foreign gods and idols. And as the book of Judges tells us that Everyone did as he saw fit. Um, in my modern interpretation, I say everyone did whatever they wanted. So now God promised, he said, if you do this, he promised them this. If you don't obey me and do what I say, I will hand you over to the enemy. And that's what happened in the book of Judges. It happens. They stop worshiping God. They worship idols. They did whatever they wanted. And God hands them over to their enemies. And the enemies oppressed them, and they were cruel, and they were unjust. And it was so horrible that eventually the Israelites would get down on their knees, and they would repent, and they would cry out to God for his help. And so God, being amazing and God, he always heard his people. He heard their cries for help, and he would raise up a judge. A judge was somebody who God raised up to help deliver his people and restore the nation of Israel. And that's what he would do. He'd raise up the judge. The judge would help bring the nation back to him. They would fight whatever battle they needed to do, and there would be peace in the land. And that's the cycle we see in the book of Judges. Um, it's actually a period of about 325 years uh, that the book of Judges covers. And in that book, uh, it covers, there are six cycles of this. Uh, where, um, where we see people disobeying, them being oppressed, they're crying out to God, and God delivering them. And so today we're going to look at that cycle. This is what I'm going to call today the cycle of sin. And you can write that on your note sheet if you want. And so we're looking at this cycle. It starts out where the people would worship idols, they would sin, and pretty much do whatever they wanted. And then, because God promised, he said, if you do that, there will be consequences. And he tells them that. And because they do that, there are consequences. And that always led to oppression of some sort. He would hand them over to their enemies and they would be oppressed. That would lead them to cry out 
to God and God always hearing their cries would respond in his grace and lead and, and raise up a judge and that judge would help bring the nation of Israel back to restoration and they would be delivered from their enemies and peace would come into the land and so as I said in the book of Judges over this 300 years, there's six of these cycles. And today we're going to look at one of the cycles um, in Judges chapter 4 and 5. And the judge that we're going to look at today is Deborah. And now remember, there's, because there were six of these cycles and we're in Judges 4, the people have been through this already. They, they kind of know the procedure. They've seen what happens. Uh, but now, let's look and see where they are now. This is Judges chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 3. After Ehud died, now Ehud is the previous judge. So after he died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoyim. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. So we see just in the first three verses of Judges 4 that the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sold them into the hands of a king of Canaan and they oppressed the Israelites for 20 years and it was so cruel that the people cried out to God. So we were right in the middle of one of these sin cycles and now we get to meet Deborah. So uh, continuing in Judges 4, we see that Deborah uh, was a prophetess. And she actually is the only female judge that we uh, are, are told about in the Bible. And so, um, as a prophetess, she was, she was used by God to communicate to her people, to draw them back to him. Um, and she also led the nation of Israel. She was leading the nation. And people would come to her. It says that she sat underneath a palm tree. And people would come to her and, and so she would solve their disputes. She would use God's given wisdom to solve their disputes. And just a side note here, I just really think it's cool that the, she sat, they said that she sits underneath the palm of Deborah and, and, and leads the nation. And I thought, man, if I was going to lead a nation, I'd sit under a palm tree too. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, but famously, she sat under this palm of Deborah. She led the nation and, um, and she continued to help the Israelites. But one day, God gave her the direction of how he wanted her to help deliver the people and restore the land. And so um, he gave her the directions and she reached out to a name, man named Barak. And he was a military general. And she told Barak what the Lord told her. She says, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. And here's what Barak says to Deborah. He says, if you go with me, I'll go with you. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, I'm just going to stop there for a second and say this kind of is a representation of the nation of Israel at the time. Because here, Deborah is giving Barak a command from the Lord, telling him what to do, what the Lord's going to do. And he's like, ah, I don't know. 
I mean, I guess I'll go if you go, but if you don't go, I'm not going to go. And the Israelites were in this cycle, right? They were not obeying the Lord. They were doing whatever they wanted. And so this is kind of a representation of that. And so he's a little bit hesitant, but he says, I will go if you go. But Deborah says, very well, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours. The Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. Now Deborah knows what God is calling her to do. Deborah knows God and what he's commanded. She knows that God wants his people to follow him. And so she says, I'm going to go. And what I think is cool about this is that because Deborah says, I'm going, then Barak goes too. And because Barak goes, he does what the Lord commands and brings the 10,000 men. And so because they all go, the Lord does what he says he's going to do. He hands the Canaanites over to the Israelites. They destroy the entire army. And they have victory in the battle. And it says at the end of that that not a man was left. Except Sisera. Sisera escaped. He left his chariot. He ran to the camp of Haber who was connected with the king of the Canaanites. He goes to the tent of Jael who is the wife of Haber, and she lets him hide in the tent. She says, come on in, you, you'll be safe here. And he asks for some water, and she gives him some milk to drink, and he lays down underneath the blanket, and because he's exhausted from running in battle, he lays down and he falls asleep. While he is asleep, Jael picks up a hammer and a tent peg, and she goes over to Sisera, and she drives the tent peg through his temple and kills Sisera. Um, good morning. Welcome to church. Uh, <laughs> but thus, that confirmed Deborah's prophecy that the honor of the victory would go to a woman. And so the Israelites uh, completely conquered the Canaanite army. And eventually they grew in strength and, and they overcame the king of Jabin. And the Israelites then had peace for 40 years. So we see throughout the story of this cycle that they did whatever they wanted. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. The king oppressed them for 20 years. They cried out. God heard them and raised up Deborah. Deborah then brought Barak along and the army and they were delivered and had peace for 40 years. And she leads them to obedience and repentance. Now, if you read Judges, as, as I have in the past, you see the cycle over and over and over. And honestly, I think it's a little depressing. And I'm like, oh, you guys, what are you doing? And so I don't always love to uh, read Judges, but there's more to the story than just the cycle. And so we see in this next chapter in Judges something very interesting. God gives us the song of Deborah. So this song is what Deborah sang after the victory, and she sang it um, as a recap of what was going on. But we see some very uh, specific things of what she's celebrating, and it kind of gives more insight into um, what we see here in the cycle. So, because it's not my song, it's Deborah's song, I actually invited Deborah to come up and uh, sing the song for us. So, uh, pay attention. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. 
I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, and the clouds poured down water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. You who ride on white donkeys, sitting on your saddle blankets, and you who walk along the road, Consider the voices of the singers at the watering places. They recite the victories of the Lord, the victories of his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the city gates. Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Wake up, wake up and break out in song. Arise, Barak, take captive your captives, son of Abinoam. The remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. Some came from Ephraim, whose roots were in Amalek. Benjamin was with the people who followed you. From Machir, captains came down. From Zebulun, those who bear a commander's staff. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Yes, Issachar was with Barak, sent under his command into the valley. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. The people of Zebulun risked their very lives, and so did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Kings came, they fought. The kings of Canaan fought at Tanakh by, by the waters of Megiddo. They took no plunder of silver. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them away. The age-old river, the river Kishon, March on, my soul, be strong. Then thundered the horse's hooves, galloping, galloping go his mighty steeds. Curse, Miraz, said the angel of the Lord, curse its people bitterly, because they did not come to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women, B.J.L., the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of tent-dwelling women, he asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. So may all of your enemies perish, Lord. 
but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. That was the song of Deborah. And did you catch what Deborah was celebrating in there? She spends a little bit of time celebrating the victory and just kind of recounting it, but she's very specific about what she talks about. And it starts in the very first stanza. She says, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. She says it almost exactly the same a little later. She says, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. And she continues, she praises those from Zebulun and Naphtali for risking their lives in battle. She calls Jael blessed of all women for her victory against Sisera. She praises those who willingly offered themselves to fight for the Lord. And she calls out those who don't. The tribe of Reuben is one of those she called out and she says, that there, in that tribe of Reuben, there, there was much searching of heart. And why, why did you stay among the sheep pens just to hear the whistling of the flocks? And that there was just a lot of pondering of the heart. You see, the tribe of Reuben, they knew what the battle was. They were aware. And they knew of the call to go and fight because they were pondering it in their hearts, Right? And they went as far as searching their hearts, right? To, they were pondering it and searching their hearts, but, but it just stopped there. It just stayed in a pondering state, right? And she continues to call out those who didn't fight. She said that Gilead, they, they stayed beyond the Jordan. And the tribe of Dan, they stayed by their ships. In fact, one uh, version of the Bible I read, it said that they just sailed, continued sailing their ships. And the tribe of Asher remained on the coast. She even curses those in Miraz because they did not come to help the Lord to help the Lord against the mighty. Now we've been in the series Timeless all of July and we've been looking at the Old Testament and seeing how the courageous faith and the truths in the Old Testament are still relevant for our lives today. And the truth that I believe that we need to see from Deborah is that God is looking for something very particular. He's looking for willing hearts. God wants our love and God obviously responds when we cry out to him. But he also wants our willing hearts. I think we have a bit of the same cycle today in our church, in our churches around the nation that they had in Israel then. Because there are some of us, when God asks us to go and fight in the battle, to serve and to fight for him and his truth, we do. We, we pick up our swords and we raise our battle cry and we say, I'm in. I'm ready to fight. And then there's some of us that 
like those Deborah mentions also, that maybe we see this oppression and injustice and cruelty. We see the battle, but we just ponder them in our hearts. We may even ponder them out loud to others. We talk about the things that we see in the world and we don't like. And we might tell people how mad we are about what's going on, whether it's in our lives or in the world. And we may even go as far as posting something very strongly worded on social media. But then it stops. As just this pondering in our hearts and we go on with our lives and we sit by our flocks or we're sailing in our ships or we're staying by the coast away from the battle while all the time we know that the battle is raging and what God is looking for is a willing heart but like those of Miraz we did not come to help the Lord but God is asking for our willing hearts because something happens when someone with a willing heart steps up and fights for the Lord. In this cycle, every time the people cried out and somebody with a willing heart stepped up and fought for the Lord, what happened? There was deliverance. There was peace restored to the land. God's grace was shown to people. And that's what happens when we step up in obedience with willing hearts. We see victory. We see lives change. We see restoration. We see God's grace given to those around us. Now, our battles don't usually involve swords, especially not wooden swords. Um, and chariots probably aren't part of our battles as well, but we absolutely in our lives, we see oppression. We see cruelty. We see injustice. We see battles. Sometimes the battle is in our school. Sometimes it's in our workplace. It could be in our home, in our city, in our town, in our country. And the battle can come in many forms. Like right now, there is a battle in our world for truth. The world is saying one thing and the truth of Jesus Christ is saying another. There is a battle for truth in our world. There's a battle for life in our country right now. We are arguing over what is and isn't life. That is a battle. There's a battle for justice. And if you know anything about God, you know that he shows up. In fact, in all of the stories we have looked at in the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, there is not one time that God isn't faithful. He shows up. He wins the battle. One thing that's interesting about this, one reason Barak did not want to go into battle is because the king of Jabin had an army of 900 chariots with iron. And Deborah in her song said, not a sword was found in Israel. So it was pretty clear that if they went into battle and God wasn't with them, they probably wouldn't win. So Barak was a little hesitant. But God showed up. They went anyway. And God brought the rains and brought them to the river. And chariots don't do very well in the river. And they won, right? God showed up. 
So you know that God is bigger than any of these battles. And so we see these things around us. We see hurt, the pain, and the suffering, and we cry out to God for his help, right? And what does he ask of us? He says, do you have a willing heart? Ask yourself the question, do I have a willing heart? Because will we be the ones that are pondering things in our hearts that we see these, these, these battles and these sufferings and these injustices and we're pondering them and we're searching and we're mad about what's going on. But we just kind of stay and do our own thing. We just do our job and that's good, right? Or do we be the ones like Deborah says that praise those who willingly offer themselves to the Lord and come and help the Lord fight the mighty? Church, what are we doing with the battles around us? When God asks you for a willing heart in the church to serve. Guys, there's a battle for truth and the church is fighting that, right? So when you are asked in the church to serve, do you pick up your sword and you fight and you say, you know what? I am going to stand up and I'm going to fight because I believe in this next generation and I believe that people need to know the truth of Jesus Christ because it is what sets us free. I am going to stand in this battle and battle cry. Or do we hope that somebody else picks up the sword and does it for us? When we see injustices in our city or our country, do we complain about them and ponder them in our hearts? Or do we pick up our swords and say, I'm ready to fight? We know God shows up. He always does. The question is not if he will show up. The question is where will we be? Because if we don't, those around us are missing out on the deliverance and the peace and the hope of Jesus Christ. Guys, we talk all the time here at Grace Point about being a place where we encounter the grace of God. And then we grow in that grace and we give grace. But we can't give grace if we're not willing. So my prayer today for us is to ask the question, do I have a willing heart. So I've invited, because it's Generation Sunday, I've invited a family uh, to come up and pray for us as their family and as our church and ask the question, do we have willing hearts? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning, to hear your word and to learn how we are called as your people. Lord, I pray that we are all reminded that we can be your hands and feet in this world, not someone else, but me, my family, and everyone here. That we don't need to be perfect. We don't need to wait until someone else does your work with us, or a perfect time, or even a better time. Let us be all in. Let there be no conditions for our obedience. Let us be eager and even excited to go out this week and do your work in our families, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our communities, and the world. We will willingly do this knowing with confidence that you're always with us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.